When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. Totally Football League show. It's the final weekend of the regular season in the Championship in League Two. And whilst Bournemouth are celebrating promotion, there are still playoff places up for grabs in the champ and plenty to be decided in the fourth tier. We'll preview it all, reflect on the midweek action and see if I can make it through the pod without breaking down in tears. All that to come on this Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Power. Here we are then, gang, at the end of the season in the Championship and League Two. The final regular matches of the campaign take place this weekend. We'll look ahead to it all. We, being me, Matt Davis-Adams, I'm joined today by Adrian Clark. Hello, Matt. Chin up, mate. Yeah, thanks. I'm back with us again for a sophomore appearance. It's Abigail Davis. Uh, Abigail, do you have a nice time at, at the snooker? incredible thank you I was just like a fan who'd won a competition so yeah amazing from the bays to the I don't know football Um, (laughs) let's get to some news quickly plenty of the news managerial the FA investigating allegations of discriminatory words and conduct by Crawley boss John Yems includes use of discriminatory language towards black and Asian players at the club and an allegation that the training ground was segregated that first reported in the Daily Mail on Wednesday there'll be plenty more to come on that in the coming days and weeks I'm sure Uh, elsewhere Fleetwood looking for a new manager interim boss Stephen Crane he's returning to the academy you remember that Fleetwood survived in League One on goal difference Uh, Mark Robbins is sticking around at Coventry. He signed a contract extension. Johnny Jackson, though, won't be leading Charlton next season. They decided not to extend his contract. Uh, The owner, Thomas Sangard, said, I have big ambitions for Charlton and it will be important for us to find the right individual that can build on the foundations in place and help us progress on our journey. Uh, Meanwhile, in the comments under the story on The Athletic, Tech the Mighty said, sad to see him go. We were pretty shite, but I'm not sure it was entirely his fault. Um, Clarky, that feels like quite an accurate summary of things from uh, Tech the Mighty. I'd go along with that. Yeah, good work. Um, the I feel gutted for, for Johnny because he did do a really good job at the outset. He, he clearly improved them from a tactical point of view. They had a wobble and then it was a mixed bag towards the end. But but there were some good performances in there. And I think he's got the makings of, of being a very good manager. Unluckily for him, the first job is really important as a young coach and not many I don't know what the stat is but there's a fairly low percentage of first-time managers that get sacked that that end up staying in the game as a first-team manager and I I think that would be incredibly harsh on on JJ because yeah there's something there He, he knows his football and and I think they could easily have stuck with him it strikes me as as an owner having inflated ambitions and wanting a rock star choice in, in, in position. That's what it screams out to me. And and Johnny Jackson is the collateral damage there. I just hope his career isn't impacted by it. I'm, I'm sure somebody smart out there will, will pick him up. Yeah, I think especially the time in which he took over as well, that initial resurgence that they saw under him, 
you know, how can you just ignore that and, and forget that that happened? Okay, they've had a dip, but what team doesn't have a dip at some point in a campaign? And I think, you know, they were dreaming of such big things under him at the start of the season. I remember their win over Sunderland where, you know, they completely dominated that game and they were so impressive in that. And you just think, how can you just ignore what he's done? And the foundations that are there are largely there because of what he's done. Yeah, it's really harsh. Uh, but yeah, as you say, Clark, it always looked like they wanted the rock star appointment. Um, David Brooks, Welsh midfielder, of course, Welsh internationally, be back on a pitch before too long, hopefully. He announced earlier this week that he is now cancer-free, the 24-year-old Bournemouth and Wales midfielder, diagnosed with stage 2 Hodgkin lymphoma in October, hasn't played since. So it's been a good week for Bournemouth. You'd say, actually, this is probably the best news of all for them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, that put everything into perspective on Tuesday when it was announced. You know, obviously there was a massive game that followed. I'm sorry to bring it up so early, but... (laughs) Um, You know, that really put football into perspective because everything he's had to go through, he's had so many injuries in his career and and then to have to battle that. So to see him back on the pitch in some capacity on Tuesday, celebrating with the players and knowing that he's going to be showing what he can do next season, it's incredible. Of course, it's not going to be an easy journey. He's going to have to get mentally and physically prepared because I don't think you can underestimate the mental impact that this journey will have had on him you know both not being a part of the journey on the pitch but also the things he will have experienced the things he's had to go through for such a young man but the way he you know he was he looked on the pitch on Tuesday when he was celebrating with Kiefer Moore it was absolutely incredible to see and that's that's the biggest victory of the week. Can't have been easy for his teammates either, Adrian, can it? And and they must have had a massive boost with, with that news as well, because it's it's something obviously that they've been dealing with for months. Yeah, it's and months. scary. It really is, isn't it? Yeah, it was a serious situation. And yeah, he's he's obviously had to go through the treatment, which, you know, is is difficult. You know, chemotherapy is, is hard. You know, it's hard on your body as well as your mind. And and there will be after effects, as Abby says. So it's a matter of, you know, not rushing things back, just slowly, slowly. But he'll have the full support of everyone at the club and and it will have lifted the team. No question about that. To get the news on the day of of the huge match against Nottingham Forest, yeah, massive double celebration. So yeah, um, yeah, good luck to him in the future. Um, Yeah, it would have been a horrible few months, but thank goodness he's okay. Yep, great news. Well done, David. Looking forward to seeing him back out there soon. Uh, Whilst we're talking about Bournemouth, then we know now that it's they who join Fulham as the top two in the championship. The Cherries securing a return to the top flight, courtesy of a 1-0 win against Forest at the Vitality Stadium on Tuesday. They deserved it as well, didn't they, Abby? They were were the better team on the night. Forest did all right in the first half, didn't show up for the second. And and Bournemouth were patient and and found a, a really ingenious goal to win the game. Yeah, it was definitely the second 45 that decided it. I know we were talking before we started recording about the penalty incident and I don't think Forrest could have done much more to help the officials because they were dressed like highlighters. So, you know, (laughs) there's not a great deal more they could have done, but it was such a clever free kick. Who scored two on Saturday has got an opportunity here from the set play. Billing, left-footed, it's a cheeky one, square!
I don't understand why you're not man-marking Kiefer Moore in that situation, to be honest. I don't understand why there wasn't someone tighter to him. But the Welsh Latin, three goals in 61 minutes for Bournemouth. I'm sure he'd have played an even bigger part if he hadn't suffered that setback. But yeah, brought in to offer a plan B and then he goes and scores a goal like that. So yeah, absolutely incredible. It shows that the work they did in January, that's pivotal. But yeah, it's such a great team. And to think you've got David Brooks coming back into that as well next season, it's incredible. Uh, Kiefer Moore wouldn't have played when this game was originally scheduled and then mysteriously called off and then couldn't be played the day after. And, and Forrest are not particularly happy about that. The owner of Angelos Marinakis actually spoke to Radio Nottingham off air and got them to put out his thoughts, which is basically refs have done us all season. We should have played this game when it was originally scheduled, which is um, not a particularly good look and, and sour grape. So I think we'll move past that, Clarkie, and say let's give some praise to Scott Parker because we have been a little critical of him and his managerial style, particularly that he's a defensive manager. And, and what happens when Jefferson Lerma gets injured? He puts on Kiefer Moore. It was a bold move and it paid off. Yeah, credit. let's credit him what, you know, because he deserves it. That was a, a huge moment. 59 minutes is an awkward time in the contest to make such a, a bold move. It, you could have forgiven him for, for going like for like there, but he saw the opportunity to, to to bolster his forward line, to give Nottingham Forest something different to think about. And it worked because obviously moving Solanke a little bit to the side, it, you know, it gives, it maybe stop, pins the fullbacks in a little bit more. Uh, Solanke was very good on the night, I thought. And, yeah, he, he, he had his finger on the pulse, Scott Parker. He is a good tactician. It's not always to my taste, but but he nailed it in this particular match. And and yeah, and, and that's two two promotions on his CV. He's a he's a very, very bright young coach. You cannot deny that. He he was obviously helped by the investment from the club. I think that squad had to go up. It would have been an underachievement not to, but but he, in the moment that mattered against Nottingham Forest, he was able to turn the game in, in their favour. And yeah, he deserves a huge amount of, of plaudits for that. And also for the way that he's blooded youngsters this season. Zamora and Anthony did really well, I thought, on the night. And they've, what seasons they've had this time last year, we hadn't heard of them, had we? Like they, they, were, they were nowhere near it. And and even on the first match of the season, they they had I think ten academy graduates in the squad. They were down to the bare bones, so it, it hasn't been the smoothest of rides. But but they've got there um, on the pen. Yeah, clearly a mistake. I also think it's a mistake to parachute Premier League officials into Championship playoff games. I don't like it. They're used to a different way of working where VAR kind of is always there in the in the back of their minds. Championship officials might not be. You know, to you know, brilliant, but but I think I think it's fairer and wiser to stick with them for the duration of the season. I completely agree with you on that one, but I think it does highlight where we are with officials at the moment because having to do that anyway, I think highlights sometimes the incompetence of officials in the championship that you've even felt the need to have to do that. Um, but yeah, just one final thing on Kiefer Moore because any any opportunity to mention him, <laughs> I thought it was absolutely hilarious. I googled him the other day, and the first question that comes up is "Is Kiefer Moore Spanish?" Which I think just explains 
here's quality. Uh, I like Forest Green Rovers tweeting, congratulations on your promotion to the Premier League at KRF More. Celebration emoji. Sorry we sold you for the price of a second-hand Volkswagen Golf. Uh, <laughs> enjoyed that uh, from the other Forest. Uh, so Bournemouth finished their season against playoff chasing Millwall at the Vitality. Forest go to hole. You'd expect them to make some changes ahead of the playoffs uh, for that one. Uh, prior to Bournemouth's gleeful evening, Fulham were crowned champions on Monday night. No surprises there. Mitro did get the goals he was after though to break Guy Whittingham's record in the 92nd minute. Here's Wilson. Here's Mitrovic. It's another... Number 43 for this goal-scoring phenomenon. Oh, Adrian, is there anything else you want to say about Fulham? This is your last opportunity, basically. (laughs) They've blown this division away. I say last opportunity for for 12 months, perhaps, but you get me. Yeah, absolutely. No, they've been a joy to watch, haven't they? Marco Silva's attacked the division. There were question marks about him, remember? When he was given the job, it was, well, he's never managed in the championship before. What did... He's never really lasted a season, has he? Anyway, he's one of these guys that tends to start well and then he moves on. But but he's, yeah, he developed a really good brand of football. The players clearly loved it. Um, Mitrovic just had the dream campaign. To get three seven nilers is a bit special, isn't it? And two of them against good teams in Luton and Blackburn, the other Reading, you know, more predictable. They got six against Bristol City and Birmingham, five against Huddersfield and Swansea. Yeah, they've been they've been fantastic. All I'll say is that they'll need they'll need two or three new members of the defence, maybe a new goalkeeper uh, in the Premier League in order to to be competitive. I was going to ask about that because Reem, you know, we know how he did in the Premier League the last time he was there. It didn't quite work out for him. I think he's out of our contract at the end of the season, as with two other centre backs as well. So. We know Reem has been so important this campaign, but how are they going to replace him? Who are they going to replace him with? They're also going to lose Mawson. I know he's not done a great deal. Hector as well. But Reem has been one of the standout players this campaign. He has, but has his limitations. It, yeah. it, it's the same. How many times have we seen it with you know good players at Norwich? They look dynamite in the Championship and then in the Premier League. It's just a step up in level too much. And I think that Brennan Johnson <laughs> exposed Tim Ream's um, lack of mobility really well, I think, in front of you, Matt, didn't he, the other night? And, and, and that's the issue. In the Premier League, players are faster and they think faster and you, they punish your mistakes more ruthlessly. So, yeah, Tosin's got a chance. So I'd say there's a question mark over him, but he'll probably be given the opportunity. Ream may have to move on and, and uh, yeah, just accept maybe he's a good championship player or move overseas. Producer Abby pointing out there might be some Burnley players available uh, on the cheap this summer. I guess the other thing that they want to do is get some decent loans in rather than spend hundreds of millions of pounds like they did uh, last time they were in the Premier League. But that's up to them. We're forgetting about Fulham now, uh, at least until August of 2023. Good luck to them in the Premier League. Uh, so that's what's happened so far this week, but there's still much more to come. We'll preview the weekend's action next. It's the Paddy Power Football Supporter Support Line. We're talking to Liverpool fan Dave about their upcoming game with Spurs. Yeah, like Liverpool, I think Spurs can do their own quadruple. A Spurs quadruple? Yeah, the fourth consecutive year out of the Champions League. 
It hasn't been rewarding lately for Spurs, but if you want rewards, then try a completely free £5 bet builder on Liverpool v Spurs this weekend. Paddy Power. Pre-match online bet builder bets only. Min two plus legs. Max one free £5 bet per customer. Must have previously deposited to avail. Seven day free bet expiry. Eligibility restrictions and T's and C's apply. 18 plus begambleaware.org. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You're listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. So here's the situation in the Championship ahead of the final round of regular season games, all of which kick off at 12.30 on Saturday. Fulham and Bournemouth are up. Either Forest or Huddersfield will finish third. Forest only need to match Huddersfield's result to do so. And then three points separate Sheffield United, Luton, Borough and Millwall. We'll talk about each team in order and we'll go to Bramall Lane first. Uh, Sheffield, a place you know pretty well. Uh, because of the last month or so, Abigail, you were there for the World Snooker Championships, of course. <laughs> a point against the champions for Sheffield United will get them into the playoffs. Is this the ideal fixture, do you think, for, for them, for them team that have been on the champagne all week? You know I'm going to start off by saying I think I know every Sheffield United chant because of Friday and Saturday nights in the hotel I was staying in. So, <laughs> um, do you know what? Even on a beach with a snorkel and flippers on, I'd still back Mitrovic to find the back of the net. So, yeah, you can say they might make changes. I do think Sheffield United will get something from the game, but that's more to do with how they dealt with that fixture in the reverse because we spoke the last time I was on about Fulham's vulnerabilities and there are a few there. You can catch them on the counter-attack and that's something that Sheffield United did very well. They've also got a number of players back from injury. So I, I think Sheffield United could get the point that they need. Yeah, I mean, Paul Heckingbottom has done a brilliant job. We've spoken about that. They were 16th when he was appointed. Of course, they're in the middle of a, a takeover as well, potentially Sheffield United. So it'd be interesting to see uh, what happens. I'm at that game. Um, yeah, I've been given the call up for that game. Um, be live on national radio. So, yeah, really looking forward to it. Um, pressure's on, isn't it? <laughs> not the easy. I know that Fulham might not be fully at it, but it's still a, still a tough test. Um yeah, real concentration needed by by Sheffield United on the on the day. But twenty seven shots at QPR in their last game. They've had a nice long break in between. Um, I, th- I think they're going to really attack the game with gusto, Sheffield United. I certainly hope so. This everything rides on this. There's no point holding anything back. They need to get in their faces and play ferociously. A little bit like Villarreal did against Liverpool for the first 45 minutes. Only they need to, to keep it up this time for the for as long as they can into the 90. It's quite interesting as well that, you know, they've been told to switch off this week, which I think is quite an interesting one because if I was told that, I'd be developing a beer belly and it would go terribly. But, you know, that's not going to happen with them. And I think there'll still be communication. They're, they just need to take that time out because in all walks of life, to avoid that burnout, to keep the mind fresh. We all need to do that. And football shouldn't be any different. Um, You know, how difficult is it to concentrate when you're exhausted or when you feel a lot of pressure, you're anxious about a situation? I think sometimes 
people can forget that whilst it's a privileged career, you know, football still demands a lot of you mentally. So I think it's quite an interesting one that they've been allowed to to take this time off and remove themselves from the situation. It's not necessarily that they're not going to be training. They're still going to be called in this week. But I think that's a really important point that sometimes we forget needs to be addressed. So I think it's I think they deserve credit for doing that. Yeah, you wonder if Nathan Jones has taken a similar approach. I would suspect not. Uh, his Luton side hosts Reading at Kenilworth Road. A win for the Hatters, enough to see them book their playoff place, but they are beset by injuries. Nine of them in total. They've just been humiliated at Fulham. But, I mean, I said the same thing about Fulham, Clarkey, but this is a good opponent for Luton is it not? Because Reading are actually one of the poorer teams in the division this season, but have nothing to play for. If, if you were going to pick a last game that you needed to win, mm. Reading at home would be fairly high up on the very list. Very high. Yeah, very high. I mean, they did win at Sheffield United recently and they won well there and they're dangerous going forward, but they'll give you chances. I have a feeling that there were one or two players that could have played at Fulham that, that were given a breather with this in mind because they would have known it Three points at home to Reading, we get playoffs. Um, I, I have I have a hunch that 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 he didn't rest players as such, but they didn't want to take a gamble on them. I think several of these guys will hopefully be back at the weekend. It's a little bit like Sheffield United; they've just got to attack the game, haven't they? Um, one thing I will say about Luton is that when they've lost games this season, they've normally bounced back really, really well. Um, they're a bit short on goals at the moment, only scored a max of one goal in each of their last six games. They might need two or three to see off Reading. Um, obviously, they've got another emergency goalkeeper in as well, haven't they? So that's not ideal. But um, yeah, every loss since late November for Luton Town has been followed by a win. So they've just got to keep that run going, haven't they? Um Yeah, I think they'll, they haven't come this far, Luton Town. They haven't worked so, this hard. To suddenly blow it at home to rele- uh, not relegated Reading. <laughs> I almost I almost relegated them there. But they haven't come this far to lose at home to, you know, a pretty bang average Reading who, let's be honest, they don't know who's in charge next season. Half the players probably aren't expecting to be there. So much motivation for Luton. I don't think they're going to blow this. I think they'll win the game. Maybe they did get a couple of days off, Abby, because you mentioned the psychological aspect with with Sheffield United. There would be a need to clear your head after getting walloped 7-0. And of course, the other thing that that's done is it's really affected their goal difference. It's the worst now of any of the teams in contention with them. Two worse than Millwall, five worse than Middlesbrough. might yet still be a factor that. Yeah, and you mentioned all the injuries. I think after Monday night, I'd be feeling my hamstring and wondering if I was up for it as well. But one thing I will say is that I spent five weeks with Paul Lintz in the summer and he is one of the most competitive men I have ever met. If you were throwing paper into a bin, he would not want to miss and he wouldn't stop doing it until he got it in. So there is no way that he is not going to get the players up for it. And I just wonder, I know it was a shock appointment at the time, but whether he's got his sights set on still being in this position next season or whether he sees this as a shop window. So I think he's going to try as much as he can to to get the team up for the game. But yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. From Luton's point of view, I would have given them 
a day or two because I can't imagine the players themselves would have wanted to see each other after that. So I think giving them that little bit of respite and just, you know, recompose because it is such a long season. You're at that point where mentally you're feeling a little bit fragile. So a day or two when you've got a week to prepare, I don't see that as a problem. Uh, well, Middlesbrough are hoping for a stumble from Luton or Sheffield United. Maybe Chris Wilder could pinch a playoff place from his beloved Blades. What about the narrative there? Uh, Wilder takes his current side to Deepdale to take on Preston. But I have to win and hope Luton or Sheffield United lose. A Luton draw and a Middlesbrough win would also see Borough into the top six if Sheffield United lose. I mean, you can go through all those permutations, Abby, but basically Chris Wilder's just got to get his team to win this game. That's all they can focus on. Yeah, absolutely. And it was good to see all the pictures from training in the week. McNair's back in training. I'm sure he'll feature because he's been such a massive influence on this team and, and he's been pivotal this season. So, of course, you wonder whether this could be his last game in a Borough shirt as well. There are so many different narratives when you think of the permutations that, you know, if Borough don't get into the playoffs, this could be someone like his last game in a Borough shirt. But yeah, they're aside with so many attacking options. I just wonder sometimes whether that's hindered them because they've not stuck to the same eleven. You know, the, the forwards have changed so much that I wonder whether sometimes that's impacted them quite neg- negatively. Um, but yeah, they've just got to go out there, do their job. I actually think they're going to sneak in. I've got a feeling Luton are going to mess it up against Reading. So I, I think I think Borough could sneak in. I was going to say, Clarkie, do you think Borough, like Forrest, wish that they'd made their managerial change a bit sooner? But but then you look at the run that they were on before they beat Cardiff and they'd gone five without a win and scored one goal in that time. And that was under Chris Wilder. Yeah, I, th- I think if they'd have made the change sooner, they'd be they'd be guaranteed. Yeah, he's a, he's a great manager. He's definitely improved them. Well, he's improved them markedly, not just a little bit. They're, they're miles better as a collective. Play good football. Very, the individuals look look like they're enjoying themselves, playing to their strengths. So yeah, they're, they're a team that's developing. But the the re- there is there are two reasons why Middlesbrough are not in the t- not competing for the top two. And that's because they don't have goal scorers and they're four good front players, but not prolific front players. And they don't have a a top quality goalkeeper. They're the two most important positions on the pitch. No doubt about it. If you've got a good centre forward, if you've got a very good centre forward and a very good goalkeeper, what comes in between? It's not incidental, but it's not as it's not as key. And uh, what they've got in between is easily good enough for promotion, in my opinion. It's it's at both ends where they they fall short, and and that's why I don't fancy them to go up this season, even if they do make the playoffs. I do hope Joe Lumley doesn't listen to this podcast because he'll be absolutely crushed. And it's been weeks and weeks we've been going out. The <laughs> well, it's Daniel's in the goal at the moment as well, and and there's nothing against him. He's a perfectly fine keeper, but just, just not top level at that at that standard. I, uh, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I've probably been a little bit brutal, but I think you've just got to be honest, haven't you? I, I think Abby was nodding. It's not just me. No, <laughs> I'll agree. <laughs> All right. Well, a point behind Borough in the table and Millwall. Uh, we'll see if Lions like feasting on cherries, I suppose, when Gary Rowett takes his team 
to Bournemouth. They need to win and hope Luton lose or win and Sheffield United lose with a five-goal swing. Mm. Uh, they're very much the underdogs, aren't they, Clarkie Millwall? But, but they've they come from nowhere. And of course, you know, like we said with Fulham, Bournemouth have had other things on their mind for the last few games. It's got to be really difficult when Scott Parker gets them back in. Right, Millwall. This weekend, this is what we're going to do. Everybody's checked out by that point. Yeah, there have been virtually no prep for this game. Why? Why would you? You don't need to. That yeah, they'll have they'll have had a big night out, guaranteed, and um, and so they should. So yeah, this is a good opportunity. But obviously, with the goal difference swing taking place the other night with Luton, it does open the door. If Luton mess up and lose to Reading, and Borough can't beat Preston, which is yeah, not that unreasonable. Then, 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 the Millwall might might sneak it. I can see them getting something. Whether they're good enough to beat Bournemouth or not, I don't know. But I can see them being unbeaten in the game. The problem is that actually their away form is not that great. Only five wins from twenty-two on the road. Only scored twenty-one goals away from the New Den this season in twenty-two matches. That's not promotion caliber, is it? They've been very reliant on on playing in front of their own supporters. So yeah. The, it would be harsh on the other protagonists, I think, if Mill snuck in, really, based on the season. But it's not impossible. And they probably need to do so, and maybe to go up to keep Jed Wallace. Like, like with lots of these teams, Abby, you know, you get to this stage of the season and, and, you know, I know that I am. You're looking at the squad of the team you support and thinking, right, if we don't go up, he's not going to be here. He's not going to be here. He's not going to be here. Next season's going to be much more difficult. Yeah, absolutely. And Jed Wallace will be off if they don't secure a playoff spot. I think it's as simple as that. But you question who else will be behind him. You can certainly see the likes of McNamara. I know we've spoken about him before and how much he's developed. He's going to attract attention from elsewhere, inevitably. So, you know, they have got a really decent squad assembled, but I really, really do not envy the job Gary Rowett would have on his hands if they don't make the playoffs, because I think there would be a massive rebuild needed because pe- people are going to come in for both fullbacks. Jed Wallace will be off. So, yeah. It's stable, though. It's a stable club. I, I, I know what you're saying. There are players that are maybe good enough to play for bigger clubs, but I don't know. Millwall seems to foster good loyalty yeah. among its players, doesn't it? I think players that play there... <laughs> probably too scared to leave, aren't they? <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going there as an away player, are you, yeah. if you've played there as a home exactly. player? You're not doing it, that. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, it fosters this loyalty yeah. and it's stable. And I think Rowett knows what he wants. He knows the types of players he needs. And the team, he's not going to rip up the style and start again. I think they can, even if they lose Jeb Wallace, providing they bring in two creative players because that's probably what it will take to to make up for him then then they can challenge again next season in my in my view and they've got the balance haven't they you know they're bringing through a lot of youth as well it's fantastic McNamara is a, a great example of that but they're bringing through youth as well so yeah maybe maybe you've just convinced me that it's not all <laughs> doom and gloom for Gary Rowett <laughs> just a few too many draws maybe for them this season 15 in total uh, so that's what we think what about Paddy Power let's bring in producer Abby she can give us some odds on the last day of the championship and who's going where and why 
I'll bring you some doom and gloom for Millwall. They're 35 to 1 to make the playoffs. Uh, Shepherd United, obviously the favourites, the big front runners. They are 10 to 1 on Luton, 8 to 1 on, and Middlesbrough at 15 to 8. That's all to make the playoffs. I'll bring you some good news, Matt Davis Adams, to win the playoffs. Forest are the favourites. They are 8 to 5. Millwall, 150 to 1. You can bet on that if you want uh, to win the playoffs. Sheffield United, the second favourites at 12 to 5. Huddersfield, 4 to 1. And Luton, 5 to 1. And that is to win the playoffs. Uh, thanks, Abby. If you are planning on betting on Forest to win the playoffs, I would just remind you that they have never got past the semi-finals, including once winning 2-0 away to Yeovil in the first leg. That's Yeovil and managing to lose at home and being eliminated. But no, looking forward to it. Playoffs always great, <laughs> aren't they? Um, OK, we'll get to the last day in League Two next. You're listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. If you want to read more Football League content from the likes of Nancy Frostick, Paul Taylor, Phil Buckingham, Peter Rutzler and more of the Athletic's best writers, you can do so by heading to theathletic.com forward slash league show and get yourself a subscription of just £1 a month for the next six months. That's theathletic.com forward slash league show. What a final day we're set for in League Two. Any one of five teams can still get the final automatic promotion spot and Tranmere down in ninth aren't out of the running for the playoffs. Uh, we can't get through every team involved. We'll focus on the ones we're expecting to make the headlines. Exeter need only to match Forest Green Rovers' result to take the title. But like FGR, the story is more with the oppo than the title chasers. It's Port Vale who go to St James's Park. The visitors need a win to guarantee a playoff place. That might be enough to see them up automatically, depending on what happens elsewhere. Uh, what are you thinking, Clark? Is this uh, Port Vale going to make it I mean they, they missed the chance to go into the automatics on Monday with that defeat against Newport they're not coming into it in great form and, and this is not exactly an easy assignment there's a feeling I think there among the fan base that they've blown it that's their sort of feeling because it was in their hands and Newport at home Newport had nothing to play for and they lost didn't they it was amazing so yeah they've hit, hit a sort of um, bumps in the road at the wrong time they'd had eight wins in nine and the other game in that run was a draw with Exeter so it was a brilliant run of nine matches and then they lose three in a row at the, the crucial time which means that they're, they're up against it now and yeah when you're playing against a team that I'm sure will be motivated to win the title there's a full house expected at St James's Park a pretty good stadium these days that can be quite intimidating they will want to see the trophy lift at the end of the game and the manager, they've, they've been up a while now. So they've had time to really prep for this. And um, yeah, this is as tough as it gets. I think they've only lost twice at home all season, Exeter. And, and Newport stopped scoring goals, haven't they? And obviously the situation, I'm not entirely sure on where we are with the management set up at the moment. I know that Daryl Clark had some time off um, for personal reasons and, and he's back now. But I'm not sure who's in charge of the team. Is it Crosby? Is it Clark? So that that can't be helping matters, um, I would I would suggest. But yeah, it's going to take a really big performance from Port Vale, I think, to to actually make the playoffs now, which seems quite cruel on them, really. 
It's going to take a big performance uh, from somebody to win the inaugural Exeter City end of season mascot race as well, <laughs> uh, which will be taking place at half time <laughs> during this game. Plenty of contestants in it, a lot of them from sponsors, uh, Grecian the Lion and Lexi the Lion, both representing Exeter, which feels a bit harsh on Boomer the Dog from Port Vale, who's outnumbered two to one. We've also got Boston the Bear, Bob the Builder, Trevor Tribute and Archie B. Um, we'll and at this point, we're going to bring in Abby for the odds. <laughs> I think RGB's got to be favourite because he's got wings, so it feels a bit unfair. Um, Exeter have only lost twice at home all season, but Port Vale third in the away table. And meanwhile, at Field Mill, Mansfield take on Forest Green Rovers. The Stags would have gone third had they won at Salford on Monday, but were held to a two-all draw. It means they start the weekend fifth, a point off third place Northampton. <sighs> Forest Green going for the title, Abby, but they are bang out of form at the moment. Mansfield, excellent at home. So this is not as daunting a fixture as one might assume if you just looked at the league table. No, absolutely not. It's unbelievable to think that there was genuine talk of Forest Green hitting the 100-point mark at one stage. You know, I know the dip began before, but losing their talisman, Matty Stevens for the remainder of the season was a crucial blow. Um, I think the main difference that I've noticed covering them, though, is how ineffective they've been out wide of late. You know, Nicky Cadden and Kane Wilson have been absolutely sublime this campaign. 25 assists between them. And I certainly would have voted for Kane Wilson as the lead two player of the campaign. He's run defences ragged. Some games I've struggled to look at the defenders that he's been up against in the eye because after games... He's just absolutely destroyed them for 90 minutes. He's incredible in 1v1 situations. But they're a a side with great understanding, but that's just been missing when they've not been able to get the ball out wide over recent months. They've not been able to problem solve as quickly as they usually would. And even when they have advanced into dangerous areas, they've not... They've just not looked like the forest green at the start of the season. It's really, really strange. But I remember doing their game against Sutton where they'd really struggled in the first half and then Nicky Cadden and Kane Wilson actually combined for the equaliser. But it was just that one moment in the 90 minutes and there was nothing else in front of goal. So it's a really, really strange one. I think Mansfield, I think they've got a phenomenal chance if... Bristol Rovers go up automatically. As in they'll, they'll be favourites for the playoffs at that point? I think they've got a fantastic chance because they've shown such immense character having gone, I think it was 14 without a win, to then win 13 of their last 14 at home is absolutely incredible. And I think, yeah, if Bristol Rovers go up automatically, I do fancy, I do fancy Mansfield to do it via the playoffs. It's been a massive roller coaster for them, but really impressed with the way that they press. They win the ball back high up the pitch and, and turn the, that into chances. It's something that we so frequently see with them. And I do think that they'd be one of the most impressive sides in the playoffs couple of cheeky stats for you. Um, Mansfield's record at home against top half sides, 1-8, drawn one, lost one. I mean, Amazing. that's against the best teams in League Two. They, they, yeah, they, they're just awesome in this kind of fixture. This this one sort of staggers me a little bit, given how good they've been, Forest Green. One away win against the top 14 this season. One. What? Um, yeah, one away win against the top 14 this season. Crazy 4-0 win at Tranmere Rovers. Um, brilliant performance. In any of those other games, 
they've only scored a maximum of one goal. So it is the away form that's kind of, um, yeah, re- really held back their progress. Loads of draws in there, um, but um, yeah, not, not enough wins. Well, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Mansfield, my, my very much my League Two team of choice. Uh, but it's Northampton who are the team who start the weekend in third. They go to Barrow. Bristol Rovers most likely to usurp the Cobblers. They've got what looks like the dream assignment. I mean, I feel like I've said this with every game, but you're hosting Scunthorpe at the Memorial Stadium. Clarky, that, that's the one pick. If you could pick any other of the 71 teams in the EFL, it's going to be Scunthorpe. Isn't if we were doing an ACA pick here today, I'd be like Bristol Rovers and over three goals or something like that. Like that would be the way you're doing it because the, I think they're five off Northampton. But I think Joey Barton will be telling his players to go in with a mentality of let's win this 6-0 or 7-0. Like I think that will be the, 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 the initial goal. And obviously they might not need to do that the longer the game goes on but I think they will be rampant and go after a Scunthorpe team that that have yeah taken some beating haven't they or taken a lot of beatings this season so yeah um, should be one way traffic I would expect at the game and and, and the, the nature of that comeback at Rochdale I think would have only fueled them even more ahead of this game it's like let's not waste what we did there let's just absolutely tear into Scunthorpe and and piled a pressure on Northampton up there in Cumbria to go and to go and get a result. You'd actually be surprised if they didn't do it, wouldn't you, Abby Bristol Rovers? Because they're not only are they the form team, but they do have what looks like the easier game. Five goals worse off than the Northampton as things stand, but momentum can't put a can't put a price on momentum, and that's what they've got. Absolutely, and I was reading that Scunthorpe are expected to field a number of youngsters for the match as well so yeah if you were in need of three points and could pick anyone it would of course be Scunthorpe it's been woeful at best and I I could see them you know you mentioned Joey Barton will be asking for six I wouldn't be surprised it's been such a chaotic season for Bristol Rovers I wouldn't be at all surprised if they were able to do that you know you look at Scunthorpe and if they do play with youngsters you could argue you know they're going to want to impress they're going to want to make an impression but you're still going to have that same lack of ideas, the same lack of creativity that's been there all season. There's just no identity. And regardless of whether you change the personnel and bring through the youth for this game, that that same message is going to be the same. So, you know, you're not going to be able to change that. So, yeah, it's... You can only see one thing. The only thing that's going to go against them is that I am going to put them in my accumulator. That, that'll be the thing that messes it up for them. Oh, dear. Yeah. Uh, Scunthorpe, I hope you enjoyed your last mention on the Totally Footballing <laughs> Show for a while. Sorry, oh, it couldn't be a bit more positive than that. Uh, Abby, we know that Scunthorpe uh, rank outsiders to win that game. Give us some other League Two odds, please, from Paddy Power. Well, if you are wanting to put over three and a half goals on that uh, Scunthorpe Bristol Rovers game, that's seven to five with Paddy Power. So uh, possibly well worth doing. Um, I am looking at the uh, playoffs and top three finish odds, and uh, it's very much as it is in the table. So Northampton for a top three finish sit in pole position. They are four to seven. Then it is Bristol Rovers who are the second favourite, seven to five. Mansfield twenty two to one. Uh, Abby mentioned that uh, she reckons Mansfield will win the playoffs if Bristol Rovers. Aren't there, and that is very much 
Paddy's thinking as well. Um, Mansfield are the favourites to win the playoffs. They are five to two. Port Vale eleven to four. Swindon four to one. Bristol Rovers nine to two. Um, so I think we're very much looking at that. Is it Northampton? Is it Bristol Rovers that are going to be in the playoffs? And that's really what all of these odds are resting on. Thanks, Abby. You can find out these ads and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. It's over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. And when the fun stops, stop. All right, we are recording on Thursday lunchtime. So it is tonight that the League One playoffs get underway, starting with Wickham against MK Dons and it's Sunderland against Sheffield Wednesday on Friday. I'd like a prediction on something that will happen in these games. We can play them back on Monday if they're right. It can be something fantastical or something functional. Clarky, what have you got? I'm just going straight functional, yeah. I mean, who knows? I mean, massive clash of styles in the Wickham-MK game. That's... That's going to be really fun to, to to watch unfold. Do you know what? I'm going to be bold here and I'm going to say that Sheffield Wednesday are going to win both playoff games against Sunderland. Um, they got battered at the Stadium of Light not that long ago. Um, I think they're playing well enough to, to turn it around. Uh, and on the other one, I'm going to say that there's going to be two away wins. MK Dons to win at Wickham, Wickham to win at MK. It's going to go to penalties. And MK are going to squeak it on pens. There you go. They've looked into my crystal ball. That's what's happening. Wow. We'll be uh, set for an exciting couple of times if that does <laughs> come to pass. What about you, Abby? What are you thinking? I'm going for MK Dons to win it, but we know the emphasis Liam Manning has put on bringing youth through and, you know, he likes to have a squad that are all around the same age so that they can have that cohesion on and off the pitch, which I think is fantastic. But the exception to that is, of course, Dean Lewington, 37 years old. So I'm backing him to make a certain run from the back, score a screamer from outside the area. That's that's my bold prediction. Back in the oldies, any shout out for the oldies is good with me. Absolutely, I'm 30 now, so I've I've switched allegiances. Oh, you're ancient. (laughs) I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) All right, here's my prediction: Sunderland v Sheffield Wednesday. There will be fewer than 10 minutes on the clock when the commentator first makes reference to the fact that these are two teams with Premier League ambitions. Never mind getting to the Championship. Absolutely nailed, nailed on. on. Um, <laughs> by the way, there are reads up on The Athletic on all the teams involved in the League One playoffs. Our friend Nancy Frostick has uh, done the lion's share of those. Do check them out if you are a subscriber. Right, we'll be back on Monday when we'll tell you what happened to who, why and when. Dissect everything on the last day of the Championship and League Two and see what happened in the first leg of those League One playoffs. Until then, have a great weekend. Many thanks to Adrian, to both Abbeys and to you for joining us as well. We'll catch up with you next week. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and keep up to date with everything Totally by heading to at the Totally Show on Twitter and on Insta. Find out the latest subscription offers by going to theathletic.com forward slash league show. The Totally Football League Show is an athletic media company production. The Athletic.